and you figure yes. out a way. There's base We're hit. We're on our way. That's your guy, Flip James the McCann. Banner. Is that the catcher? It is. I tell you, uh, you know, I'm not a very good catcher. I'm much better at getting high than getting low. Hope you're ready for the next episode. Hey, smoke weed every day. Hello and welcome to episode 22 of the Shoeless Goat Podcast, right? Cubs, White Sox, and MLB Podcast. It is good to be back after a week hiatus. I am one of your hosts, Nick, and I am joined again by the mayor of Section 509, Patrick Bovard. Pat, how are you doing? You know what? I'm not doing too bad. I had a rough weekend of White Sox baseball to watch, but luckily I got the all-knowing wisdom of Bill Walton imparted onto me uh, via the Twitter highlights. So I'm feeling a little bit, uh, I guess a little bit psychedelic right now, but overall pretty good. Yeah, probably one of the most zen broadcasts, and we'll definitely get into that a little bit. This is episode 22, and notable Cubs to wear 22 currently Jason Hayward, but also uh, Bill Buckner and Dizzy Dean. We always like to look at those uh, old-school funny names when doing this set. Pat, how about 22 from the White Sox side? Yeah, so we got a couple notable ones. Uh, most recently, we have a new Trier, uh, Will Met's finest Charlie Tilson. Uh, it's currently in Charlotte, but, you know, he was a Sox. Uh, some might say the start of the rebuild because he was the first real trade when they sent Zach Duke to St. Louis. But in any event, in 2005, Scott Podsednik wore number 22. Before him, it was one of my personal favorites, Jose Valentin. Uh, former LinkedIn player profile athlete, so a long line of good number 22s for the Sox. But perhaps most interestingly, the current radio broadcast duo of Ed Farmer and Darren Jackson both wore number 22 for the White Sox. So that's a little little bit of an interesting nugget to start us off here this week. Yeah, wait, hold on. You're telling me that Charlie Tilson played for New Trier and he's from Wilmette? Man, I can't get anything past you. Yeah, you know, I was doing a little bit of research while I was getting for this week's show and found that information that I hadn't heard before, not on a radio or TV broadcast or on any publication by the team, but he's actually from uh, New Trier, something I never thought I'd learn, but here we are. You learn a little something new every day. Okay, uh, we will start the show the way we always do, with a weekly recap. I'm going to go first because I'm a little bit more frustrated than Pat, and I'm going to need some time to simmer down. Uh, the Cubs had a 2 and week uh, and it started off in the worst way possible with a sweep of the uh, by the Phillies in Philadelphia in one of the most extraordinary ways. So Monday was a 4-2 loss. Uh, starting pitcher Jose Quintana went six innings and had 14 strikeouts and only gave up one run. If you look at that pitching line, you would assume a win, but alas, the bats did not come alive. Uh, the 14 Ks through six innings was the most strikeouts through six since Kerry Wood did it in 2001. Not the famous one he strikeout game, but he had another high strikeout early game uh, back in 2001. So, you know, it's a, it's a good good company to have for Q, who's been absolutely one run to death in that game. Uh, Tuesday's game was pretty darn ugly from all accounts, uh, an 11-1 to loss to that same Philadelphia team. Uh, I know Rail Muto had a really great game there. Uh, Hamels only going two, giving up nine. Very forgettable game all around. So we're not going to spend too much time with it. Wednesday was probably the most upsetting game. And that's hard to say when you had an 11-1 loss. But uh, it was a 7-5 loss to those same Phillies to complete the sweep. And again, a great starting pitching outing, this time from Yu Darvish, going seven innings, giving up four hits and no runs and striking out ten. 
Uh, the Cubs had a 5-1 to one lead going into the bottom of the ninth, and then shit hit the fan. Uh, Kyle Ryan gave up a run, Rowan Wick 2, Pedro Stroh 2, and Derek Holland gave up one. Obviously, not all at once, but successfully, or in successive fashion, I should those runs came at the last swing of the bat of Bryce Harper hitting an absolute moonshot to end the game, getting his revenge for the uh, David Bodie Grand Slam last year. So 0-3 to start the week. Uh, took the day off on Thursday to get their uh, act together, only to lose that same act on Friday. Uh, this time they're trapped Pittsburgh, a 3-2 loss on from, I believe it was uh, Kyle Hendricks, one run on three hits. Um, the Cubs took the two lead in the uh, bottom of the seventh. I want to say they were down one nothing. Nothing comes in. Kyle Ryan gets a gets a guy on base. They bring in Brandon Kinsler to try to get the double play out. Bases end up loaded. Kinsler walks in a run, and then uh, a single scores the winning run. So the bullpen blows two saves in in two days. Um, really tough to see that. So. Saturday, something's got to happen, right? You just lost four in a row in the great state of uh, Pennsylvania. John Lester comes on and takes care of business. He hasn't been as consistent as usual, but when we need him most, he always steps up. Six innings pitched, four hits, no runs, uh, two-nothing win to finally break that ugly, ugly streak of games. Um, most importantly from this game, in my opinion, was Tyler Chatwood got to pitch in a high-leverage situation with many exclamation notes saying, finally. He has his walk struggles, but so has the rest of them, I should say. And uh, he still throws 96 and is a really good throw. So I'm not going to be mad if he's walking into the game. Plus, when he's, uh, when, when he's pitching, he's one of the coolest out there. Uh, John has uh, been pretty good, but uh, it was nice to, to get that 2-0 win. Uh, Sunday, the Cubs play Pittsburgh in the finale in a Little League baseball park. No, I'm not talking about Yankee Stadium. And Jose Quintana back on the bump finally gets the win he deserved this week. Uh, a seven to one win. Went seven innings, uh, had seven strikeouts. Um, there was home runs all around. Castellanos, Rizzo, uh, so the Cubs finally get a road series win for the first time since May 17th through 19th. Believe it or not. Um, and with all that being said, all my bitching and moaning, the Cubs are still tied for first place at the end of the week. So, could be a lot worse, but uh, those two really ugly losses back-to-back really uh, pushed Cubs fans, especially the more reactionary ones, to uh, call jobs and say this team sucks and everything like yet still in first place. So, I'll take it. Yeah, I was going to say, good thing they got those two wins to end the week. I thought I was about to hear the sky start falling from you, but not quite, maybe another week. Uh, a couple thoughts on my end from this week. Uh, first of all, uh, something I thought of. Is it a, still considered a road series win if they only played two games at the other team's stadium? I mean, I guess you'll have you know to take it, but... Uh, I, I will definitely take it, uh, especially because it's really hard to play a road game when the noise levels are very high, especially in other sports, but baseball specifically, they did hand out 7,000 thunder sets of thunder sticks to children <laughs> as a way to try to drown out Alex Rodriguez and Jessica Mendoza. But alas, we still had to hear them talk during the game. Love me some map excursion though. I'm just, I just feel bad for him on a weekly basis. 
That that is true. As a former twelve year old uh, child, giving someone like that thunder sticks is never a good idea. If only they were loud enough to drown out A Rod's horrible takes, making fun of kids play video games. Dude, oh god, the video games again. Um, another thought I had. Uh, Bryce Harper had that walk-off Grand Slam, which from my purely objective perspective was awesome. Uh, that was like, I, Bryce Harper, regardless of uh, the criticism, has one of the most beautiful swings in the game today, especially when he connects on something like that. So just seeing him send that ball into the frickin' uh, asteroid belt up in the second deck was incredible. Um, I, you know, it's surprising he would do that against the Cubs, given his dog's name is Wrigley, but I guess that's just how things go now. Yeah, you can't keep a good dog down. Um... Harper, it was awesome, and I'm a big Bryce Harper guy, so I I was, like, okay with it, kind of. I was more mad that the Cubs put themselves in that situation, and they, they deserved it. The Cubs deserved to lose that game after that <laughs> inning, so, um, yeah, more power to Bryce Harper. I'm going to shoot back, though. He does have, I'd say, like, a top 10 swing when he makes the contact, like, but no one in the game in the last, like, 10 years has had a like a sexier swing than Josh Donaldson, especially when he just goes for broke on an 0-2 count. Yeah, he's he's got he's definitely up there. I need I know for me personally, uh, a little bit biased probably with my Yoan Mon- putting Yoan Moncada up there. But in any event, I you know what I'm honestly surprised by, uh, getting away from the swing talk. I did not hear any Cubs fans going into the oh man, well if Theo would have just spent on Bryce Harper, he wouldn't have hit that walk off. I'm honestly now shocked I didn't hear that. Yeah, well, they're looking at his batting average. I bet, I bet, like two or three months ago, you would have heard that a lot more for sure. Yeah. But it, yeah, that's fair. Uh, but uh, that's it for Cubs talk for at least the week recap, Pat. Let's uh, let's hear what you have to say about uh, your White Sox. Yeah, sure. So we had an okay week uh, that was broken into two very distinctive parts that went the exact opposite as I would have thought they would have. Uh, we went 3-4 and four on the week, bringing our season record to an underwhelming 55-68, and 68. but start of the week was great. The Astros came to town fresh off them absolutely massacring. I think it was the Orioles where they had put up like 23 runs in a game. So I went into that series expecting us to just get like absolutely steamrolled into the ground, and we didn't, which was nice. Uh, Monday was a rainout. Tuesday, then, we had a doubleheader. First game was a 2-6 loss, went about the way I would have thought. Astros jumped out to a 2-0 lead, partially fueled by George Springer hitting a frickin', uh, like, missile takeoff off of Dylan Cease on the first pitch of the game. Uh, more on Dylan Cease later. Uh, Altuve hit another home run. We were able to get it to 2-2 in the 4th and the 5th. Eloy had an RBI double. Um, but alas, the Astros were able to pull away on the back of not one, not two, but three balls that were just dropped by Wellington Castillo. Uh, not something you want to see out of your veteran catcher, but I guess that's where the 2019 White Sox are at. Interestingly enough, after that game, uh, Ricky Renteria was asked, you know, what was going on where he missed those. And he said he talked to him after the second game. It was a straight doubleheader, so not a lot of time. He talked to Beef after the second game and then came back and said, yeah, he didn't have an excuse. He just said he missed him. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Like, I don't know what would have made me more upset, but... In any event, onward and upwards, Tuesday's second game was a 4-1 win against the Astros. Uh, Luckily for us, Garrett Cole, hopefully future White Sox, was pulled from the game right before, so we got some guy who I did not write down, so we had a chance in that game. We're able to take advantage of it, got three in the second off of Angle and uh, Go-In's RBI singles. 
the only damage the Astros did was a Springer RBI in the third, and then we got a couple more runs thanks to Ryan Cordell, so the real uh, no-name offense game. There's also only one extra base hit in the entire game, as weird as that is in the juiced ball era. Ivan Nova looked incredible. He went nine, so the complete game with only three strikeouts, continuing a kind of uh, alarming trend of success without striking guys out. That is certainly due for regression, but I'll take it while we have it. Wednesday, the end of the series, we beat the Astros in a slugfest, which is something I never expected to say going into this series. But, uh, you know, both starters, Ross Detweiler and Wade Miley, got absolutely run off the field. Uh, back and forth for most of the game. The Sox got out to a 7-4 lead in the fourth. Astros got it to 8-7. And then uh, the Sox got to 9-7. Uh, Altuve hit a home run to tie it at 9. Uh, so it's 9-9, bottom of the eighth. James McCann comes up and blasts a grand slam to pull ahead 13-9. So a hell of a win, hell of a way to send the Astros packing. They just, you know, historically don't play well in all our ballpark, and I am basing that uh, strictly off of the 2005 World Series. So moving on, we went out to L.A. to play the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, which I believe translates to the, the, uh, the Angels Angels of Anaheim, uh, interestingly enough, for those who speak Spanish. Uh, Thursday was a loss 7-8. to eight. Uh, It was a very okay start from Reynaldo Lopez, probably one of his worst since the All-Star breaks, which if this is his floor, five and a third, six strikeouts, two walks, and five earned runs, I'll take it. Much better than the first half. A lot of offensive firepower in this one. We got a couple home runs from the bigger stars. Mike Trout, Justin Upton, Abreu had two. While we were trailing 3-8 to eight going into the ninth, but we were able to put up a fight to get it to 7-8, but unfortunately could not quite get it back. Friday, fueled by the uh, melodic voice of Bill Walton joining Jason Benetti in the booth, uh, we won 7-2. to It was a fun game to watch, both uh, listen to and watch. I didn't watch it live, so I had to get a lot of the Bill Walton uh, highlights from Twitter, but Giolito had a great game. He went six innings, had 11 strikeouts, uh, only gave up two runs, and the bullpen held it from there. Offensively, we looked pretty good. Uh, T.A. had an RBI single and then scored on a wild pitch. We actually had a bunt work, as amazing as that is. Uh, Yolmer had a good bunt, after which uh, Bill Walton was, like, screaming into the mic, like, wow, that's incredible. And I believe he said after that to put Ricky in the Hall of Fame after his contract extension, uh, neither of which I would do, but I guess if it works, it works. Uh, McCann hit another grand slam. Uh, so that was another good part to that game. But overall, yeah, the Bill Walton game, which I want to pause here to talk about that. I would be remiss if we did not. That was awesome. Uh, it was stupid. It was fun. There was a lot of crazy back-and-forth dialogue. Jason Benetti, I don't think people are talking enough about how well he did in that situation, uh, just combating what Bill Walton was throwing at him. Uh, on that, that being said, if this were to happen more than once a year, I'd probably go crazy. But this is a it's a nice break, you know, once in a while, just getting that kind of ridiculousness. I don't know if you listen to it or have any thoughts, but, you know, I don't get the people complaining about it. No, I absolutely loved it. I love Bill Walton. Probably the best part of those Thanksgiving holiday tournaments is him announcing games, uh, saying just ridiculous things, and they usually put kind of like a a pencil pusher, you know, kind of announcer next to him just to get the the, the polar opposites, which is pretty much what Jason Benetti did Mm -hmm. perfectly. Uh, Cubs fans are kind of used to this kind of uh, announcing because we had many, many years of Ron Sano, and Pat Hughes was able to control him magnificently. Um, colorful announcer, vibrant, if you will, uh, Ron Sano and Bill Walton. So absolutely loved it, but I agree with you. More than once a year, uh, 
be a little tough. This is why I only watch the basketball games with Bill Walton, like during the Thanksgiving tournaments. He's an absolute maniac, and I actually—he's—he's he's an American treasure. Let's be honest. So it was really great to see, and I'm really glad the Sox won that White Sox stuff. So there was no way he couldn't, like, you know, show off his his one-game bias. I yeah, I was gonna say that was. Uh, I don't watch a lot of college basketball, so for me, getting to listen to Bill Walton there was great. I think some of my favorite quotes had to be uh, after Giolito got his, like, 11th strikeout of the night. Bill Walton was, like, streaming, like, oh, yeah, and he's like, wait, who's that guy pitching? And Jason Benetti just goes, uh, that's Lucas Giolito. You met his brother and uncle earlier in the broadcast. So he had met his family in the booth. Uh, I believe one of his other quotes, too, was when uh, – because Giolito went to Harvard-Westlake, a high school in the L.A. area, and – Hearing the name Harvard, Bill Walton was like, ah, he's one of those guys who grew up with a silver spoon in his mouth. Um, <laughs> I think some of the other good ones were uh, when they talked about Aaron Bummer, he was like, he wasn't a bummer. He's a meteor flying through the night sky. That was good. Uh, his, I don't know if you heard him describing Mike Trout's home run, but he's like, like tr- is that Trout swimming upstream against the flies? Just like, you know, like you said, all this ridiculous stuff. Um and then I think one of my favorite back and forths between the two of them was uh, that Bill Walton was apparently confused that you have to tag somebody with your glove for them to be out and ask the simple question that not enough people ask, why doesn't body contact do it? So Jason Bundy was like, well, you know, you're going in with a swim move. And then Bill Walton poses a very reasonable question. What if I just come in here with a powerful overhand cross and like punches him in the face? And Benetti's like, well, then I'm concussed. Like, it's like, yeah, but you're out of the game. It was just, it was a great back and forth that I think summed up the dialogue between the two that I definitely did not do justice to. Don't even tell me that you didn't love playing Mugfest games growing up, where you got to punch somebody oh, and yeah. get them out those because games, that was that was the awesome. best. So I still you, play those games. Oh yeah, maybe these are the ideas we need to be embracing. But I think you know, overall, a lot of fun, great time. You know, great highlights that drew a lot of interest, not only to the White Sox but baseball for a night. Uh, but yeah, after one night, I'm ready to move on. So, uh, heading to Saturday, we had a disappointing loss, five to six. We actually took a five-one lead in this one, which it seems to be happening too much this year. Uh, the Angels then just stormed back. Upton had a home run. Trump, not Trump, Jesus. Uh, Trout had an RBI. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and our president did not play in the game. Um, but yeah, bad day. Uh, that's where my mind's at with that one. So, we're gonna move on to Sunday, where we also lost two to nine. Uh, another not good start from Cease. Uh, five innings, six strikeouts, one walk, and five earned. The, I mean, the problem with Cease has been it's not really command. He's com- he's not walking a lot of guys. It's just when he gets hard, the ball gets out of the stadium in a hurry. It's kind of like uh, Giolito last year or James Shields in 2016. Um, two home runs he gave up. Uh, one of them was to Cole Calhoun, uh, rumored time traveler, as I believe you mentioned a few weeks ago. Uh, but yeah, Eloy was really our only office. RBI. Definitely a time traveler. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just to look at him, it's it's uncanny. But yeah, Eloy, RBI triple, and he had a home run near the end of the game in the ninth, so he was halfway to the cycle with probably the hardest half to get. Uh, but yeah, overall, not a terrible week for our guys. Just I expected us to get killed by the Astros and handle the Angels, and we did the opposite. So uh, that's where the White Sox are this year. Yeah, um, I found it really interesting watching and seeing the highlights of the White Sox-Angels games where, and Mike Petrillo tweeted it out too, they walked Cole Calhoun, time traveler Cole Calhoun, to get to Albert Bases 
is loaded. And can you just imagine that scenario ten years ago? <laughs> yeah, that's. Oh God. And I... then he went on to tweet like, "Are we going to be saying this about Trout in the year 2032?" <laughs> He'll probably still when be Anthony Rizzo Juniors. Yeah, that's true. I was saying when Anthony Rizzo Juniors yeah. playing for the team. Oh God. But yeah, that I was. Know, I think about that. Yeah. Not not the best series for our guy. You know, apparently Bill Walton wants a Ricky in the Hall of Fame. I don't think I agree with that, but uh, if he brings a ring to this city, then yeah, just I'll I'll be the one carrying him to Cooperstown. I mean, he might uh, he might go in as a because you know that was his first managerial job. Dude, or he could be like one of those dweebs in the Crosstown Cup that's wearing the half cub half socks hat. A house divided. Oh God. <laughs> oh, man. Spare me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking okay. of good transition points definitely yeah moving on um we're gonna do player of the week now i'll start um because it was very clear that who we thought were winners of some white Sox trades and who we thought were losers of some white Sox trades did a complete flip this week first with uh fernando tatis jr going down with an injury for the year it's very clear that the white Sox won the james shields trade clearly no doubt, no doubt. And now, with uh, Jose Quintana lighting it up and Dylan Cease getting shelled all the time and Eli batting, what is he batting, like 260, something like that, it's very clear that the Cubs have demolished that trade. We'll change our minds next week when Quintana gets shelled for eight and two innings. But until then, Cubs, big winners of that trade. With that being said, Quintana is my player of the week. He should have gone 1-0. He pitched, uh, let's see, 13 innings, had 21 outs and gave up one run uh if that does not get you player of the week nothing will usually i'm giving it to the guys with uh the best batting average but this week of which cub had done the best in the last seven games chris bryant led the team batting 235 so no hitting getting love for me this week uh our player of the week for the cubs let's use uh, yeah, so one comment on that. Uh, totally won the James Shields trade. He gave us veteran leadership, and Fernando Tatis can't even finish a season. So I don't, I don't even know how you can even consider that a close trade. Uh, on the other hand, even though Eloy is hitting two, uh, I think he's like 245, but the stats people tell me batting average doesn't matter at all and should actually never be trusted. Um, yeah, Dylan Cease is done. Just send him back down. No, I'm kidding. But uh, I like seeing Q succeed. He was a, he was a good guy. When he was on the Sox, he was very unassuming, just did his work, and you always felt bad for him for not getting the run support. So I like seeing him succeed on the Cubs. I hope that he can be a significant part of a good team just so you know people don't just write the trade off as being a failure because he's giving them something that they need, and that's even if it's a four-starter, having the potential to go out and do that on a nightly basis is great. So I'm, I'm happy for him. I mean, he must have felt like a Woodstock on Monday giving up one earned run. <laughs> Uh, going six innings and striking out 14 guys, carry the one, 14 of 18 guys that he got out were struck out. That's crazy. And That's still crazy. not getting the win. I mean, I'm shocked he didn't get the loss, but that, that would have been the true White Sox outcome there for the time he, he spent at, uh, on the south side. But yeah, I mean, obviously I want him to succeed. But I also don't not going to get mad if Dylan Cease or uh, uh, Eloy Jimenez do well too. It's kind of like uh, the Araldis Chapman Glaber Torres thing. I mean, Glaber Torres two eighty. He's got like nineteen homers against the Orioles. I mean, in twenty seven or twenty eight total for the year. 
and people are like, oh man, I wish we had him, you know, playing second base for us. It's like, yeah, he can be hitting, you know, 280 against the Pirates and the Reds, and we could have no World Series championships. Would you rather have that? I'm good with the trade. I don't care what it costs. No, yeah, I've always said, yeah, if you win a, tr I don't care what you have to give up. If you win a World Series because of a trade, it is worth it, no questions asked. And honestly, that's the best kind of trade, the one that both teams are uh, a little bit happy with and a little bit frustrated with because of what they gave up. That's, that's the point of a trade. Both teams benefit. Um, we don't always need to be ripping guys off like uh, when we, when we got James Shields from the Padres. But uh, you know, Rick Hahn takes mercy sometimes. And well, he shows that, no mercy against the Washington Nationals. No. That veteran leadership, well, I just I couldn't even take another year of it if we had to deal with it. But yeah, big trade guy. Should get him in the get him in the booth. That's the leadership we need. Oh God, I can't. Or bench something. coach James Shields. Should just get maybe he's the heir apparent to Coop. Someone's got to be. Anyway, Pat, who is our uh, White Sox player of the week? Yeah, so this one for the first time in a couple weeks was actually a tough decision. A lot of good offensive performances. Abreu had a couple home runs. Eloy had a couple home runs and a triple. Um. Giolito looked great returning home on the mound, but overall I'm giving it to James McCann. He hit two grand slams, and that's really all there is to it in this one. One of them was a game winner against the Astros. The other one put Friday night's game against the Angels out of reach. He hit 435 on the week with 11 RBIs, and like I said, two grand slams. He's starting to recover from a horrific stretch to open the second half to get back to his uh, all-star numbers. And yeah, for those reasons, I, I mean... You hit two grand slams in a week, I think you're the player of the week. I mean, it's pretty simple. Uh, I mean, it get much easier than that. Uh, I'll agree with you on that one. Uh, so those are our players of the week. Uh, moving on to our big story is kind of uh, we're just combining it. We have, we have some things we need to discuss here. Uh, as we mentioned, the Cubs played in front of a bunch of boisterous little leaguers on Monday night. Um, which brings back my bang hatred for the Little League World Series and Players Weekend. Uh, I'll kind of dig into it as well. Uh, for starters, Players Week not great as a Cubs fan because it makes all of us Cubs fans realize how freaking boring our players are. Who can't even come up with a fun nickname on any single one of the jerseys. Uh, I know Hayward had Jay Hay, Chris Bryant had KB, and John Lester, wait for it, put left-hander on the back of his jersey. Ooh. So... <laughs> I just, I mean, El Mago is great. You're not, if you had that as your nickname for Javi Baez, you wouldn't change it. But, I mean, come on, guys. you got you got to do better than that. I think uh, Josh Fegley had probably the best one. His was PTBNL, player to be named later. I think that one was good. Player to be named later, like, like three different times. That was former White Sox Josh Fegley. That's right. But uh, I think but, uh, I was going to say I was going to chime go in with ahead. my uh, player's name weekends. I think the Sox did a good job with it. Jose Abreu is Maltiempo, which I love. Uh, my, probably my favorite one, though. There's a couple. Obviously, Tim Anderson, TA7 is a good one. But my favorite by far is Evan Marshall. The name is just Forgetting Sarah, which is just beautiful. Yeah, I think that made the all-names list. It did, and, it did. Um, you know, you know, a lot of the, not as many Sox fans were complaining about the, the names as Cup fans were. But just remember, uh, are going to complain Um you won't be complaining when, quote, we start getting close and parades around here than the block butterful. So I can I can be careful because of the Rick Hahn block button. Oh, uh, yeah. Apparently, I'm a 
I'm a 13-year-old Twitter troll, as I found out last week. So that was good to learn about myself. It's always good when you can learn about yourselves through the eyes of a GM who has never had a winning season despite only having the rebuild excuse for three of his seven years. So always good to uh, have Rick attack. And the White Sox front office attacking the fan base. But I've talked about that enough the last couple weeks. We're going to let it go. I'm the bigger person here. Clearly. Um, you did mention 13-year-olds, so we'll get back to uh, <laughs> the Little League World Series. Or as Pat... <laughs> yeah, I like to call it the World Series, um, but <laughs> I digress. Um, Pat, I want to know your thoughts on the on the World Series, or I'm sorry, the Little League World Series. Oh God, <laughs> the Little League World Series. <laughs> Of the Little League World Series, I have very strong opinions on it, but I think you're a little bit more sympathetic to the cause. What are no, your I love on it? it. I love watching it every year. I don't watch a, I don't sit down and watch entire games. It's something I do on a Saturday or Sunday when I got nothing going on. I love it. I think it's it's fun to watch the kids, like you know what what they're doing out there. Always for the kids. Um, it, I think you know it's always it, to me it's always interesting just the different stories you get, especially like what was it like ten years ago when Saudi Arabia had that one dude who was like six three and could just launch bombs all day. It's cool to see. I wish they'd move the fence in, honestly, but I think the one – I haven't paid attention to it as much the last couple of years, honestly, since the Jackie Robinson West year. That left a sour taste in my mouth. But, I mean, it's one of those things in sports. It's a cool thing. You get to see kind of uh, just, like, ridiculousness going on the field. Just it, some Every now and then you get to see, even though they're good, the Little League play of just booting the ball around. And in 10 years you get to talk about some of the kids being in the majors. So, for me, it's a cool event. I'll turn it on every now and then on a Saturday or Sunday uh, on the weekends when it's going on. But, I mean, I don't know. I think it's fun for a couple, we- for a couple weeks. So my issue with it, maybe it's, a, maybe it's a, the, the jealousy of my youth. I played pony baseball, not eligible for uh, being on TV like, yeah, the, that, like that's those little right leaguers. There. I think it is, right? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> is, is that if you play pony baseball, you know, there's drop third strikes. You can steal before the ball's in the catcher's mitt, uh, you know, things like that. You know, the real rules of baseball and not this watered-down version. Yeah, but um, you don't learn another... how to play the game the right way. So oh, clearly. I think we got to balance those two. Yeah, definitely. Uh, if playing the game the right way means high-fiving the kid that just went absolute yard off of you, which is something that happens just about every year. Um, yeah, but I got nothing to report to that. I got nothing. The thing I really don't like about it is it is ESPN, like that Disney-owned corporation, just something to get all hot and bothered about every time, <laughs> like a kid's crying. They're like, "All right, zoom in on the kid who lost, who's just crying." Or like, "Wow, look at that sportsmanship. He just gave up the the game-winning grand slam, and he hugged the batter on the way around." It's like. No, I'm not one of those guys that's like, you, you got to be tough. You got to bean the kid in the head the next time he comes up. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but boy. what I am saying is like, when someone literally just owns your life, you don't high five them, right? That's like actually a bad lesson to learn for life. I don't know. It's just like, ESPN has always tried to like get viewers using tactics like this. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the Make Wish Foundation, but that My Wish thing that they did for like 10 years straight was truly unbearable to watch. It's, it's a cool thing that's done, don't get me wrong, but, like, it's... Just, and then, finally, now they got this Little League World Series every year, and it just... This is my, my anti-Little League World Series meatball rant. Don't get me <laughs> I just... As soon as on, I turn it off, because I'm like, I'm not dealing with this shit. And... Rant so, over. So I will I got, never be a, a fan of it, but... So I think... 
I'll give Go you ahead. two points there. Number one, uh, the Little League World Series does mean I have to watch David Ross on my TV, which I absolutely despise every time I see that guy because he is riding on the coattails of being in the right place at the right time. But I digress. Uh, the other point I'll give you, yeah, the high-fiving after giving up a home run. There's no place for that in this game. Uh, I'll just say that that, that kid is lucky that uh, Ned Yost was not managing the other team because he would have taken a heater to the head as next to bat. Um, but the uh, third point, third thing I want to take out of this discussion is that you apparently dislike both children playing a game and charity. So that's one to uh, <laughs> n- not, uh, note down for the records. Yeah. I have to scrap this whole episode, or just at least cleverly edit it, so that, uh, I feel like, hold on, oh, that's Disney knocking on my door right now, ready to confiscate my, all my VHS. No, Mr. Mouse. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> you don't talk to me like that. <laughs> uh, I'd be in trouble if Mickey came and knocked, and he'd probably, he'd do some damage. Oh, anyway, Good as time. if this episode couldn't get any if, if this episode couldn't get any better, um, we will be moving to our favorite segment, the LinkedIn player profile, for those of you who know and should know by now, the LinkedIn player profile is where we revisit the career and current life of a former Cub, a former White Sox, talk about their playing careers, what they're up to now, using LinkedIn as a primary source. Maybe it will invoke some fun memories. Uh, Pat, I've got a pretty juicy one this week. I'm going to have you start. Fair enough. I'm going with... So, uh, who is our White Sox LinkedIn player? Speaking of uh, over, speaking of uh, backup catchers on a World Series winning team that contributed little to nothing to their team's winning, I am going with Chris Widger, the backup catcher of the 2005 White Sox <laughs> and the pride of Wilmington, Delaware. Uh, probably the most famous product of Delaware outside of elite Joe Flacco. But anywho... He was drafted in the third round of the 92 draft by the Mariners, and if there is one theme from his career, it is that he bounced around everywhere. Uh, He went from Seattle to Montreal for a couple years, where he actually started and had the best years of his career, beginning a promising trajectory that quickly derailed. Went back to Seattle in 2000, the Yankees in 02, the Cardinals in 03, and then he hit rock bottom, like many great American heroes, in 2004, playing for the independently Camden River Sharks. But... Just like, uh, you know, a a modern day or uh, early 2000s Rocky Balboa before Rocky Balboa, the film, not the uh, not the character came out. uh, He made it back all the way and played with the White Sox in 2005, where he hit 241 in 45 games with four home runs and 11 RBIs as a member of the your mind 2005 World Series champions. Uh, He was then waived by the Sox in July 2006, unceremoniously ending his tenure with the team. So they could sign a 40-year-old Sandy Alomar in his third separate tenure with the team. So that's definitely not a good confidence boost for your career. From there, again, he got right back to hopping around the league, Orioles in 06, back to his roots with the Camden River Sharks as a pitching coach for a couple years. Uh, He actually worked his way up to managing them, so that's uh, how the turntables. Uh, From there, uh, in 2016, he was a bench coach for the Royals High A team, uh, the Wilmington Blue Rocks, so he went home. Uh, Always good to see that. What is he doing outside of baseball? Let's take a little bit of a look at LinkedIn. Uh, So, yeah, he's currently the manager of the Burlington Royals. Apparently, his left home, so don't like seeing that. He has been the owner of FBI Baseball for the last nine years and two months in Pennsville, New Jersey. And I think my favorite thing about FBI Baseball, it stands for Fundamental Baseball, Inc., where fundamental is spelt F-U-N-D-I, 
M-E-N-T-A-L. So while he is applying the fundamentals of baseball, he is not applying the fundamentals of grammar and phonetics in that spelling. He has been a Apparently, in addition to being a manager for their minor league team, he's been a consultant for the Royals for the last three years. Um, He has a couple endorsements. Always good to see when you're building your network. He is endorsed in public speaking uh, by a man who is highly skilled at this. He is endorsed for leadership, which tends to happen when you win a World Series. He is endorsed for sports management and his industry knowledge in sports, sports marketing and athletics and interpersonal skills in coaching. So... Uh, and unlike the uh, backup catcher on the other uh, side of town that won a World Series, he is not on my TV three times a week. So uh, I got to give him some thanks for that. So that is Chris Widger, former uh, World Series champion. I, I hate to, I hate to do this to you, Pat, but uh, while you were in Europe perusing whatever communist nation you were visiting a couple weeks ago, uh, I was covering Chris Widger as my LinkedIn player profile as I was doing White Sox talk with Sam. I just have one question for you. Are you at all embarrassed by uh, not listening to your own show? Or are you one of those method actors that just can't listen to themselves or watch themselves when they're in their element? Uh, let me tell you what, Nick. First of all, I appreciate you not telling me uh, during uh, what, while I was talking. I think, you know, that's the sign of a good team. You kind of let me you let me go out there and see what I was going to do with it. That's how you build trust. On the other side of things, I guess it just, you know, it slipped my mind. I guess, you know, when I'm in the zone and I really need to stress the importance of having a strong, powerful, and uh, charismatic backup catcher on a World Series team, we had to do him twice. So it makes sense. I think I just spun that pretty well, uh, completely forgetting that he had been done before. So uh, kudos to me, as always. All that means is that I get to do either Damian Miller or David Ross twice. Oh, no. So ready for that. Can you do Paul well, one, one twice? Oh, oh, Gabor. We can't do that to him. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I'm going to I get to double up on backup catch maybe a couple weeks ago, and that was a fascinating one, so I might get to do that again. Anyway, um, you did a much better job. I felt the enthusiasm. I felt the uh, fifth grade, sixth grade Pat really feeling his love for Chris Widger. So uh, I'll allow it. We won't cut that out. I won't make you do another one. But I will share my LinkedIn profile this week. Daryl, the pinch hitter Ward. Um, first, if you go to his Wikipedia, uh, you may get re-erected, redirected to the character played by Will Smith in the in the movie Bright, who's also named Daryl Ward. But uh, if you are in fact looking for the baseball Daryl Ward, you may have gotten to the right place on his Wikipedia. Um, he played in the MLB for ten seasons. After Dodgers, Pirates, Nationals, Braves, and then Cubs. Uh, and the Cubs were on the 2007-2008 team. He was a very fun part of that team as he was always called in to pinch hit. Uh, if you go to his baseball reference, his first position listed is pinch hitter before you get to left fielder and first baseman. Uh, I believe he played 948 games in the major leagues over his 11 seasons, and 409 of those were as pinch hit appearances. So why do you get so many pinch hit appearances? Is because you're really good at pinch hitting. Uh, you could always count on him to get that single between the first baseman and the second baseman. He was kind of a slow, hefty guy, so uh, he wasn't getting much further than first. Unless you look at his 2004 season when he hit a cycle for the Pittsburgh Pirates, 
being the first pirate to do that since Jason Kendall in 2000. So there was a stretch of four years where a almost 300-pound man and a catcher both hit for a cycle. Take that. That's nerds. Take a look at what this uh, segment is actually about. Their LinkedIn. What is he up to right now? Well, he hasn't put any of his former baseball team in his non-baseball career that he touts. First, let's look at his skills and endorsements, of course. Uh, his number one being sports marketing with 25, sports management with 23, and sports with 17. So clearly, uh, he is looking to the future and not the past. It's a forward-thinking guy. Uh, so what is he doing right now? He is currently the hitting coach for the Dayton Dragons, a Cincinnati Reds affiliate. Uh, and what's his job description, you ask? Well, it'll, I guess, I know. If he's not uh, busy with the whole hitting coach thing, we could always, you know, send him to foreign lands to lead our troops, because that's exactly what you need to do. Um, but why is he on LinkedIn, you ask? Well, if you look at his about section, he just put, received the coaching position I was looking for. He is the ultimate LinkedIn success story. Not only is he on here to promote his network, but he is also already showing off the job he got. So I'm sure he used LinkedIn to get that job, not his 10-year playing career, his hitting skills, like that. Daryl Ward was a fantastic Cub. He was great in those eighth inning pitch hitting situations. He was single just about every time from what I remember. And for that reason, Daryl Ward, my LinkedIn profile this. Yeah, I think something you said at the beginning really stuck with me. Did you ever see the movie Bright? No. Oh man, that Did was you? disappointing. I had high hopes and that was that was disappointing. But uh speaking of Daryl Ward, um yeah, you know, I respect a man who can come and hit off the bench. That's a skill not everybody has, regardless of what the stat nerds say. That's, you know, it's an art. And people forget that baseball is often an art, so it's good to see that. Um, and, yeah, that's probably all I got there. The man knows how to build his uh, network on LinkedIn, which is also a skill I could apply to my own life. Um, unfortunately, I have, I have not settled as a minor league manager, so I still have some uh, searching to do, but I can, I'm sure you and I both can take these skills we have learned perusing his LinkedIn to further our own careers. So I'm still kind of shocked that doing what well, we've done about 10 or 12 of these LinkedIn's, we didn't start doing this segment right away, and yet, I, I don't know about you, I haven't gotten anyone looking at my profile, any of them. Like, you know, like looking back to see, like, all these weird letters are coming. Oh, that's, that's something, uh... Who, God, I, I'm bad for forgetting this, but who did Sam do last week? He did Carmen Pignatello last week. That's right. Week. Uh, he texted me, like, literally probably 20 minutes after the episode that Carmen Pignatello had viewed his LinkedIn profile. So <laughs> we're, we're starting to get some uh, traction here, I think. You know what? What if we get, like, a job offer from Carmen Pignatello? What was he doing again? He, he was Rocky Chair was doing the painting company, of course. How could we real forget? Estate or I think our LinkedIn. Or insurance. Insurance. That's what I, he's no, doing. Yeah, he was doing insurance. I'm just willing to get a job offer from uh, Rocky Cherry's Cherry Painting Company. Clearly, so far, our, our Link Player Profile Hall of Fame has got to be Rocky Cherry and Carl Everett. I was going to say, I if I could get any job uh, from any of our my LinkedIn players, I would like to join the anti-dinosaur lobby with Carl Everett. Could you, I just want to imagine the um, the poster boards that Carl Everett would, would bring forth in front of Congress. Dude, me and me and him going to Capitol Hill to meet with like Mitch McConnell to tell him that dinosaurs aren't real. <laughs> and, and Mitch McConnell saying, "Yes, they do. Just look at me." But I digress. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, no. No, this is not a political uh, podcast. 
just saying he's old people calm down we get bernie too bernie does bernie says that too um anyway um so that is a show but we'll go the same way we always end the show uh, with a question that pat has never heard before uh so in the spirit of the little league world series which we are we are constantly treated to uh fun facts from 13 year olds something we never thought we needed and we still don't need but we're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna go that right anyway if your uh b-league phillies lagrange uh baseball team was lucky enough to make the little league world series what would your fun fact be when you were 13 years old yeah so i think i oh that that's a great question because there's a lot of different ways i could go with that i think there's one thing i'd have to put on there because you could be one of the boring kids that puts like his favorite subject is social studies or like uh, got this badge in Boy Scouts. But I'm not going to do that because I'm not boring. So what I'm going to put on there is I'm going to get something that's going to get people's attention. Kind of like that one kid two years ago that said like has a crush on his uh, like math teacher. And then the caption was, sup, Mrs. Jackson. You know, I, I'm not going to quite go that far. But what I would put is once needed stitches because he sliced open his thumb cutting a chocolate bunny, <laughs> which I did. So, so a uh, little background on that. Here I am a couple weeks after Easter, and I still haven't eaten anything but the head of my chocolate bunny. I don't want the whole thing. That's going to make my stomach upset. So what do I do? I decide to take a wet steak knife out of the sink, and I start cutting it, and lo and behold, the knife slips and goes right into my thumb. So, yeah, I was uh, there in a, uh, a little bit of a sticky situation and needed stitches. So that was uh, that's my fun fact. So, uh Chocolate bunnies won humans ten billion, I think. Yeah, they right? gotta. I, someone had to give them the one win. <laughs> I, you know what? I, I was trying to think of like what my fun fact would be. I'm, I was kind of a boring kid, so I was gonna go the injury route too. I once took a liner to the face and broke my nose. Um, but uh, yeah, but I got the game ball. So there you go. And play, all of the uh, Elmwood, Elmwood Park Athletics. Sign- yeah, um, but I'd, I'd, I'd probably uh, we have a we have an affinity for the goat. I'd probably bring up the fact that uh, I was well, well. We'll get into this in a later episode for sure. Some uh, some lineage to the the man that brought the uh, the Billy Goat to the game that we can discuss on maybe like an end of season episode or something like that. I'd probably bring that aspect of the game up. But I'm clearly not as fun or as crafty as you. At least when I was uh, 13 years old. Um, but uh, I will though. say my, my fourth gr- oh, a little bit safer. Let's see. Uh, my fourth grade, uh, that, that same year that I broke my nose, I was, I was like the, uh, you know, I was like G baby going down and the team still rallies around that. Um, <laughs> because we ended up winning the championship that year. So I mean, they didn't go. get shot, but <laughs> oh, God. I'm glad, uh, oh. Anyway, uh, this has been one of the better episodes for me laughing, so this has been great. I don't even have to go on the treadmill later. Yeah, see? In any case, this is all about. Definitely. Uh, so this is that is uh, episode 22. Um, you can listen to us at lmbfsports.com, Spotify, uh, what is it, Apple Podcasts, or I don't know. I'll get it Rest down eventually. ITunes. Yeah, can we get like shirts or something? I think we need to make... We need to we need to get some merch first of all. We need some Chula's yeah. Goat merch for sure. Um, but <laughs> R.I.P. iTunes might be might be on there for sure. Uh, definitely make 
slogan a t-shirt eventually but pat uh episode 22 has been fantastic as always pat it's great to have you any any last thoughts oh no fun as always uh you know Getting to see us get a little bit uh, into the Little League World Series is always good. I guess next year we'll get to see who this year's Danny Almonte is. So looking forward to it. Can't wait. And remember, fans, Yadi Molina is not a Hall of Famer. Have a great week. Go Cubs. Go White Sox. Go Bays. Come on, baby, don't you make me laugh.